imagine that for a couple hundred bucks, you could have this toy that allows you to code something and create a physical object that can move around and respond to your commands. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is like light years ahead of anything we could have possibly done back then. Hello, and welcome to Terrifying Robot Dog, episode 15 for Friday, July 17th, 2015. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about how technology is changing the way we interact with the world. This week, we talk about the coming wave of robot minions. Please stay tuned. Terrifying Robot Dog is next. Before we get started, we'd like to give a terrifying robot shout out to Zach Gilbert and Kai Davis for their wonderful reviews of the show in iTunes. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I th- Actually, Kai left a review a while ago, and I think... I- I forgot to thank him, so I feel yeah, bad. Yeah, I think we did, yeah. Sorry about that guy. So this week, Robot Minions. Yes, are they going to be little and yellow? <laughs> they ought to be. <laughs> yeah, we, we've we talked in the past about artificial intelligence and like the DARPA robots and things, but this is, this is not those. Mm, no, not at all. These aren't terrifying one bit. No. They're the opposite, in fact. They're really cute. They're friendly. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah. <laughs> False sense of security. So this was inspired by something called Easy Robot. Yes. Which is for sale at Brookstone. And you know what? I think uh, there's a similar one for sale at Target. I saw a programmable robot in the toy section at Target the other day. Yeah, there's a couple programmable ones that are pre-built. But this is this is kits that you build yourself. Yeah, this is super wild. So yeah. the 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 concept is that um, we're going to talk about a few different things that are essentially toys that are, but also robots that can be created and programmed by like little kids. How old would you say the age range is for these, the like Easy Robot? For Easy Robot? Um, looking at the video on their website, it looks like it has a, a sort of drag and drop drop type programming interface that I would put in like the age 10 plus. But then the other videos that we were looking at, they also show an, an interview to say that you can program the robot by just making it do things mm. and it will, it will learn that way. So if, if we're talking about that, then yeah, little kids. Yeah. So, so focusing on easy robot in particular, because it's got, it's got a, it's like fully thought through, like the whole thing is, it's not just some toy that you go buy. It's there, there are, I guess, different models. Um, well, there's a million little pieces that you can buy little servos that click together in the videos. There's like a bunch of different body shapes. There's like a crab one and there's one it's called JD. It's like a little humanoid shaped one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you look at their kits, they have a few different different body styles in their kits. Yeah, that makes sense. So that you, it's kind of like you can get started without going nuts, um, but you can go nuts. So the they have demonstrations of people taking old toys like a Wally head and mm-hmm. uh, just attaching it. And you can also this is wild. You can you can get the plans for a part and three D print it. And if you if you if you don't have a 3D printer, then you can go into their community. They have this like huge online community where you can find people near you who have 3D printers and would be willing to let you print out the, whatever piece that you want to create. Yeah, that's the the community aspect of it is pretty cool because you just have 
this community of, of people helping each other out to print out pieces and manufacture pieces and, and build these bots. Yep. And there's a sort of a stack overflow feel to it where you can yeah. ask questions and get answers. And then on top of it, there's a whole app marketplace where you can create uh, like behaviors, pre-written behaviors for the different robots. And then I, I guess sell them. I don't know if they're for sale, but you can certainly distribute them through this website. And, and uh, it comes down to like the, uh, the iOS or Android apps that you connect to the robot. So you can, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff in there like, you know, breakdance or whatever. <laughs> right, right. And it seemed it seemed cross-platform and available, they said available to the app store. Um, so I assume they mean their own app store, but it seems like they're just, what you're downloading is libraries that maybe run inside an app mm-hmm. that, you've, that you've downloaded for your mobile device. Yes. So there are a couple of examples of, in the videos of, they're like little, you know, like fun little cutesy things that the robots do. And it's sort of like, oh, I can, you know, oh, I've got this robot, I'm going to build it. And you could see it being like a, a project with a parent and a kid. I don't, I, it's hard mm-hmm. to imagine. I mean, they say that some, they, they have some kids that have actually assembled and programmed them, them themselves. But I think that was more in like the 13 year old range. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say Kira is probably just now getting to the point where she could do that sort of stuff. She's she's diving into Lego Mindstorms. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that in a second. The, so okay. in Cooper's like five. There's no way he would be interested in this for longer than a minute. Yeah, you're going to need like screwdrivers and breadboards and, and things. Yeah. Um, he, I, I, I think he might have fun playing with it, mm-hmm. but f- we have like a Sphero, which is sort of, I mean, it looks nothing like a humanoid. It's just a ball, a white round sphere. And uh, you can control it with the phone. You can tell it to do stuff. And he got a kick out of that like two or three times. He thought it was funny. But um, it wears up pretty quick. Yeah. The ball does. But uh, this this would probably probably last a little longer because it's got it. Considering it's like white hard plastic, it's got a surprisingly strong teddy bear feel to it. <laughs> Yes, you know, it does. it does stuff that makes it, it like moves its head around in a way that actually is kind of cute. Uh, anyway, I, so I can see I'm just I'm sort of wondering, like, like what the age range for of interest is. I, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you guys have have Mindstorms you just mentioned. So yeah. what's that whole experience been like? Uh, that whole experience has been uh, they're they're really cool. They're they're more capable than I thought they would be. Mm-hmm. And we're we've still really just kind of scratched the surface because we haven't dug into it too deeply yet. But um, uh, the first robot Kira built entirely herself and programmed it, and she's pulled out the MacBook a few times to to alter programs and that sort of thing. And it's got this kind of it's a, a drag and drop programming interface where you're pulling out these blocks of of things that you want the robot to do, and then you're just connecting them all together and that sort of thing. It's very, uh, as you would imagine, very Lego brick-like. <laughs> yeah, we didn't, I mean, people might not know what Mindstorms is. So Yeah, my, yeah Mindstorms is uh, Lego's, Lego's robotics building sets. So it's, I've never seen one out of the box. So is okay. what do you, you open up the box and it's like a bunch of Legos with um, like a mini controller or something? Yeah, yeah. You open up the box and it's a, a bunch of Legos and then there's the CPU brick, um, which has a, 
has a uh, liquid crystal display on it and uh, some buttons and things for selecting from menus and, and that sort of stuff and uh, a bunch of ports on it where you can plug in like cables for motor actuators and cameras and color sensors and motion detectors and, and all of that. And does it come with all those or do you buy them like later? No, it comes it comes with them. Yeah. And um, it also, the this current version also has a, a remote control, mm-hmm. like an actual Lego brick remote control yeah. for it. Um, that I believe uses uh, Bluetooth low energy. Mm-hmm. And you can also uh, control it via a smartphone app. Cool. So, and you said, you know, she's obviously, if she's pulling out the laptop every once in a while to program it to do stuff, what kind of stuff does she program it to do? Um, right now, she hasn't, she hasn't really gotten into the more complex functions yet. It's mostly just programmed movement. Mm-hmm. and different reactions to things at this point. We haven't dug too deep into into sensors, but it has... You know, the programming interface is very simple to... Well, it's simple to use, but then at the same time, you can make it very confusing because there are a lot of little options and, and things that you can tinker and tinker with and tweak, which gives it a lot of power, but it doesn't make it as, as intuitive as it looks like it is on the surface. But there are things like uh, loops and functions and um, reading input or, or waiting for input and um, variables and conditional statements and, and all of that that you can do through the drag and drop interface. Mm, cool. So one would think that if the if the final product, you know, whatever it was that they were trying to program it to do was compelling for some reason which is hard to put your finger on when you're talking about kids because who knows mm-hmm. half the time why they think something's fun and why they don't <laughs> but um clearly you know it's got all of the sort of logical structures of a straight up programming language mm-hmm. so you know that's extremely educational if someone's interested in it i suppose it surprisingly hasn't held her interest as much as I thought it would. And I don't know if that's a symptom of something about the Mindstorms or if it's just that she's not in the mood to be into that right now. Right. Because you know how kids are. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the thing's what, like four or 500 bucks? Yeah, it's like 350 bucks. Okay. So, um, so it's, you know, expensive toy for a kid to get sick of in two weeks. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons I got it. I was like, well, even if she doesn't like it that much we're gonna have fun playing with it so <laughs> um but no she does she does really like it but um it it's still even at 13 it works better if we do it together mm-hmm. and i think it's just because of all of the little bells and whistles like little options and things that are on these programming um quote-unquote blocks that you drag around and i think that maybe still causes a little confusion and and also it's just it can feel kind of overwhelming with all of those options and stuff in it so this e- easy robot thing, it looks like, you know, in contrast to how complicated it can be to program Mindstorms, this one reportedly, you can program it to do actions by sort of like putting it in a record mode and just moving its body around. Yeah. Yeah. If you could do that with Mindstorms, that would be, that would make it super more accessible. I feel like that's more limited than what you can do with the, the programming interface because it seems like it would make it harder to do things like respond to to different conditions but that would make it super super accessible to get started with it and from what we watched the video of the easy robot there it looks like they do also have a, a um, programming interface that you use on the computer to do additional programming mm, definitely it's what people expect from a, a programming interface you know like black box white text and and lots of it yeah um 
but if you could kind of jumpstart the excitement by programming it through direct manipulation, that's right. probably pretty cool. And it reminds me of, do uh, you remember that robot Baxter? It's a, um, it's an industrial robot. It's not for kids. Um, um, I don't think I'm familiar with this one. So I get a chance to see this in person at a, a trade show a little while back. And it's like, a, if I remember correctly, it's like a six foot tall. It's pretty big. It's like a six foot tall thing. It probably weighs a ton. And it's got this sort of screen, like an <laughs> iPad size screen on the front of it with a face. And it's got two arms. And you, it, you know, and it's for industrial applications like, um, you know, pick up this widget and move it over there or, or mm -hmm. put these widgets in a box and make sure that they're oriented in a particular way. And you program it by putting it in record mode and just making, you doing know, the thing. doing the thing. And it's got like, it can, it on its hands or claws or whatever they are, you can, it, it can like see what it's grabbing and see which way it's facing and stuff like that. So you can very quickly, average person can, you know, not program it, but teach it to do something and uh, just go ahead, go do it all day long, 24 hours a day. Right. Yeah. Easy Robot kind of feels like a mashup of that and Mindstorms. <laughs> right. Exactly. I can see something like Baxter having a big impact in like an assembly line type of situation or in a factory because they're... Mm -hmm. They're they're like cheaper than an annual salary for an employee. They're like thirty grand or something, which sounds like a lot for a piece of machinery, I suppose. But if that's instead of a person, it's a deal. Yeah, it doesn't need sick days or health insurance. Or no, it might need a maintenance plan, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baxter Care. <laughs> but what's the trend here? Like, are are these toys coming out because they can, or is this actually something good for? kids or a particular class of kids anyway. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were saying last episode about how the quote unquote maker movement has sort of taken off lately. And it makes you wonder, like, are we going to have generations of kids that are just building robots? <laughs> it's been, Programming things is becoming a lot more accessible. You don't have to learn the cryptic syntax of some like half a dozen different programming languages. That's probably the trend, actually, is that programming is getting easier. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just manifest in a robot in this particular case. But if you can sort of imagine, um, you know, like Ift or or Zapier, that allows you to kind of program the internet. You can connect things together, virtual things like you know, take a stream of bits from one website and pump it into uh, the input of another website and have it do something like send you an email or flicker your lights or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, th it's like a physical manifestation of that, where you just sort of you just sort of declare what you want the thing to do and it just does it yeah so imagine like an alexa interface instead of direct manipulation you just have like a, a voice input that you tell it to go do stuff and it doesn't need to be programmed it just knows what that stuff is so you could say like uh go over there you point it sees you pointing okay. it goes over there then you say okay scoop out the dog food right i was just gonna it. say go feed the dog right and then you scoop and then they dump it in the bowl and you're like, okay, that's feeding the dog. Yeah. And tomorrow you say, go feed the dog. Yeah. I can see that. I can see that happening. Yeah. That would be kind of cool. All this stuff is like when you watch the videos, there's some of them are, some of them are, are like painful to watch. Yeah. Like the, the wine. The wine one. Robot. Yes. Yeah. That was brutal. It was painful. And um, it's one of those things you watch it and you go, no one's ever going to actually want to do that. 
Right. Because it's a horrible version of it. But imagine you are in an airport and there's a wine bar and you sit down and a much better version of the robot is back there. Mm-hmm. That would not be bad. With his alcohol bur- or alcohol Keurig. <laughs> yeah, with his, his booze printer. Right. Yeah. I mean, that it wouldn't have been nearly as painful as watching like a very slow, clumsy robot in somebody's kitchen take five minutes to give them a glass of wine while having a conversation. A very awkward conversation. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting proof of concept for a commercial application, I think. Mm-hmm. If it was if it was quicker, if it was less, um, it would need to be a little less friendly, so it would be more real. Postal service bots. Yeah, exactly. Postal bots. <laughs> so if you so you can imagine maybe what's happening is that we're raising the uh, generation of kids who take robots for granted, and the fact that they're programmable and they can do these things for us, and they'll, I don't know, turn into turn into what. Like General Grievous, like, what? <laughs> it, like super battle droids. Like what are the? It's it's hard to picture where this is is going to go, but it feels like it's going somewhere. So the I think the 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 trend that won't go away, I think, is that there's a bunch of adults who are making it their business to teach kids how to code, especially girls. Mm-hmm. And whether that is manifest in a robot or a piece of jewelry, uh, or or what, it doesn't. I don't think that is the part that really matters. It's like we're creating a new generation of coders. And and think about when we were kids, what were the possible outcomes of us learning how to code? Practically nothing. Yeah. It, like you could make a, a dinky little game on a dinky computer. Yeah. You could make like a, either a text-based choose your own adventure type of game, or you could make like an ASCII dude that would run in place. Yeah. I mean, there, and still something about it captured the imagination of art, basically my whole generation this combination of video games and, you know, like, like arcade video games and Atari. And for some reason, like lots of kids wanted to, there were lots of kids in my high school that had like a Commodore 64 or an Amiga, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe lots of exaggeration. There were lots of football players in my school. <laughs> there weren't <laughs> yeah. lots of kids with Amigas, but there were enough that it was, it was a thing. Right. I mean, I, I grew up around, like, Im- immersed in geek culture my whole life. Um, started out uh, building building ham radios mm. and, and then to computers and then, and then programming and, and learning to code. And um, just with more family or more, more of my dad and friends of my dad than, um, than kids at school, um, which is probably just a, a socioeconomic thing. Mm. But... Um, it it definitely it captivated me from a, a very young age. Yeah. So imagine imagine if instead of that chintzy little output that we could create back then, imagine that you know for a couple hundred bucks you could have this toy that allows you to code something and create a physical object that can move around and respond to your commands. Mm-hmm. I mean that is like light years ahead of anything we could have possibly done back then. Uh, so I have to imagine that it will be it will capture the imagination of new kids to do new things, and then they'll just take for granted that you can program physical objects. But but there too, it's we're we're teaching more kids to program, but at the same time, what it means to program something is changing. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's getting more accessible. 
That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for Terrifying Robot Dog. Bye. Bye. Would you like to support Terrifying Robot Dog? Just think of two friends who would dig the show and send them to terrifyingrobotdog.com for links to iTunes, Facebook, and RSS feeds. If you don't have two friends, you can still help us out by leaving a nice review in iTunes, like Kai and Zach. Thanks, guys.